This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. A couple of huge games in England over the weekend and also a busy few days for sport in Singapore as well. Uh, I'm Sazali Abdulaziz, sports correspondent with The Straits Times. I'm here with my colleague Wang Ming Ming. And Ming, let's start with mm. you know the unavoidable issue that happened to, <laughs> on, on Sunday. It's quite amazing uh, yeah. to see what what happened between Kepa Arisa Palaga, mm. the Chelsea goalkeeper, and what? the manager Maurizio Sarri. Well, what do you make of it, man? I don't know. Maybe Sarri can't pronounce his name, but um, <laughs> but okay. Joking aside, I think it was quite shameful. You know? It's just a, another blatant show of player power. And I think we saw that at Old Trafford earlier when Mourinho openly clashed with Pogba and Pogba won and Mourinho lost his job. And it seems like, you know, Sari is really a dead man walking at the moment. A lot of people have slammed Kepa. I mean, for those of you who have not seen the League Cup highlights, basically it was the end of extra time. Mm. The game was headed, the League Cup final between Manchester City and Chelsea were heading to penalties. Mm. Kepa was injured for a while before that. Yes. Sari thought he had cramps, wanted to take him off for Willy Caballero. Uh, you know, the substitute goalkeeper was already on the touchline and Kepa refused mm. to come off. He signalled, he said, no, I'm good, no, I'm good. Sari lost his cool yeah. <laughs> uh, on the touchline, right? He was yeah. he was really upset. A lot of people have said, you know, Kepa should not play anymore for Chelsea. Mm. You know, what, what, what do you I say? The problem wasn't that much the miscommunication. I mean, it could have happened in many games where the player feels that he's fit enough to carry on. Yeah, but yeah. it's more the body language shown by both Sari and Kepa, you know. There seems to be a very furious exchange between the two. Yeah. The other Chelsea players certainly weren't like trying to tell Kepa to go off or mm. or they weren't like moving towards Sari to persuade him to keep Kepa on. So there does seem to be a very clear division in the team. Yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. a good point you mentioned yeah. because it does not seem like there was confusion on mm. the touchline. You, you know, let's say yes. they weren't clear what the other was saying. It mm. would have been a look of confusion on both mm. players' faces. Mm. But this was, or rather both faces of Sari and Kepa. But here is Kepa just telling his manager, hey, relax, I got this. Mm. When the manager is saying, come off. Yes. And for all you know, it could have been a tactical decision. Like we saw Louis van Gaal at the World Cup. Yes, yes. You know, it, just before penalty shootouts. So for Kepa to refuse to come off, it's, it's a it's blatant a shame. case. It's, yeah. it's mutiny. Um, it's, because I think if you look at Manchester United case um, Mourinho refusing to play Pogba and openly criticising him and you see similarities in Chelsea because a, f- a couple of weeks ago Sarri was openly saying that oh, I don't know how to motivate this boy so uh, from that point I think he lost the dressing room and everything exploded last night Obviously to not do well in the league you know, over a couple of months is one thing but to lose in such circumstances mm. in the League Cup final in such a grand stage it must hurt doubly bad If you were Roman Abramovich you okay. know, you're up there on the stands <laughs> I, I don't even know if he was in the stands but you're looking up from above and and, and seeing all mm. this take place, what would be going through your mind and what do you want to prob- do to fix it? Probably there are two ways to answer this question. The first way is, if I am really Roman Abramovich, I'm going to sex Ari. <laughs> I mean, Antonio Conte was, to me, a perfectly good coach. You know? He preaches about discipline. You know? He had a clear philosophy of how the team wanted to play. It's just that the players didn't fancy him and they didn't fancy the discipline. Uh, apparently, he took away ice cream from the menu. and So, player power won and we are seeing a repeat with Sari. But the problem is, I'm not Abramovich. But you, I mean, you wouldn't the, be here if yeah, you, I mean, the, the, you had Abramovich's money. The Chelsea fans are probably a bit tired, no? Like seeing managers come and go, you know. I mean, why Sarri is suddenly such a so-called flop in England? Uh, I mean, he he's a success in Italy. So was Conte. In fact, Conte won the Premier League 
and the next season he was gone. So something clearly is wrong to me. You know? In the Chelsea dressing room, the players just have too much power. They know that. I mean, there's so 20 of us and there's only one of him. So if let's all gang up, we show that you know, we are the boss and he's not the boss. And I think what happened in the Carabao Cup final was very, very public. And I, I just felt that it's really a bad advertisement for this so-called you know, overpaid EPL footballers. Of course, all the drama overshadowed the fact mm. that actually Manchester City won the penalty shootout. Mm. You know, and one of the people who missed his kick for Chelsea happened mm. to be Sarri's golden boy you know Jorginho so and it was such a poor penalty I I couldn't believe my eyes Mm. but having said that you know as far as City goes it's one down three to go for the quadruple Mm. it's a possibility right now what do you think their chances are? So, I mean, Guardiola knows what he's doing and he has a big and strong squad and the players love him. They want to play for him. He has improved a lot of them. I think the best example is Raheem Sterling and there's just one point between them and Liverpool. I think anything can happen from now till the end. You mentioned Liverpool. They were given a boost before the League Cup final, at least in their Premier League title Mm. bid by the fact that, you know, Liverpool drew Manchester United. You know, I think it's their third draw in four games. Why is the Ritz machine that looks so irresistible before the new year, why is it sputtering now? It's because I think opponents have wisened up to them, they are packing their defence. Even United, who's been playing attacking football under Solskjaer, you look at what happened in the last 10 minutes, practically the whole team was back in their own half, especially after they lost three players through injury. So, yeah, I mean, Solskjaer, I mean, he loves attacking football, but he's also a practical man. Well, I, I was amazed because, mm. you know, after 25 minutes, Liverpool played against Andreas Pereira and Scott McTominay <laughs> for two-thirds of the game and yeah. they couldn't overpower them, which I was quite uh, amazed by. You know, I thought the fact that those two youngsters were holding the, the mm. fort for Man U in midfield, I thought Liverpool would have wiped the floor with them. But you mentioned they couldn't really get going in attack, yeah. you know, with Man U being very disciplined and organised. Is... Mo Salah's form a concern I think I came across a stat that against the top 6 mm. teams this season he has played 8 games and scored just 1 goal you know mm. I mean some players have that reputation for being a flat track bully you know is it a form issue it doesn't show up in big games what, what, what is mm. it I mean you want to speak logically I mean against bigger opponents you, you're, you're facing tougher defences and I felt that the issue with Liverpool last night wasn't as that much with Salah or you know, Mane or what but it's more to do with the service I think the true balls and crosses were simply weren't coming in from Milner or Andy Robertson yeah. or Henderson. No? So even late on, they brought on Shakiri. You know, Shakiri is known to be uh, pretty accurate with his left foot, but there simply wasn't any ball that could defeat the entire menu backline. So I think it was really a case of service. Now, if you're enjoying this episode of A Game of Two Halves so far, do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app, on Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify. Do like it and give us a rating. Now, it was a busy weekend for sport in Singapore as well, from Friday through to Sunday. There were a number of quite interesting, exciting, high-profile sporting events. And also varied profile uh, sporting events because we had triathlon, basketball, mm. uh, MMA. You know, I think it's worth going through some of them. You know, firstly, you know, we saw the Singapore Slingers. They won the Straits Cup mm. after beating the Malaysia Dragons 81-44. That's quite a commanding scoreline mm. in the ABL. I will take any win over Malaysia. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, friendly neighbours, yeah. But you know, we won the Straits Cup three times in a row. And I think it really augurs well for the Slingers for the rest of the ABL season. They are currently second and they are on track to finish second. So there are seven games left and yeah, I think it really looks good for the Slingers. Also, we had the Singapore Sports School defending their SPH Relays Championship yesterday at the Bishan Stadium. Uh, I was there. Mm. It was their eighth overall title in nine years. You know, they, I wow. mean, they are the cream of the crop, mm. so maybe it's not a surprise. But what struck me was how vibrant the school's track and field scene is. And, you know, I'm, I'm always reminded of this every time I go to cover sc- mm. national schools championship or the SPH relays. And hopefully this will translate into, you know, a better showing mm. by our elite athletes, you know, because the pool of talent and the potential is certainly there. 
Also yesterday, Frenchman Vincent mm. Lewis won the Singapore leg of the Super League Triathlon race. It's quite a cool concept. It's a 300 meter swim, a 5 kilometer bike ride, and a 1.6 km run. There are 23 competitors, and the two slowest competitors after each discipline gets eliminated. Even before the event has started, they have already scored a big goal by inviting Jonathan Brownlee to come and compete. As you know, I mean Jonathan Brownlee is a 2016 Olympic triathlon silver medalist, and I mean he's one half of the famous Brownlee twin brothers. So to have a competitor of his stature here, you know, really augurs well for the future, and hopefully in the future we can see even more world class triathletes competing in Singapore. Yeah, I think particularly for I guess lesser sports with lesser mass appeal mm. like triathlon, yeah. like you know I guess Ironman competitions. I mm. guess having world class competitors and big names does add some stardust to the competition and creates excitement for the locals to want to come out and, yes, and support definitely. and watch, right? And on Friday, there was a one championship show at the Singapore Indoor Stadium. I was there the, mm. as well. You know, I covered the event. Only one Singaporean uh, on the main card that was Amir Khan. He fought a Costa Rican fighter called Ariel Sexton in their lightweight Grand Prix match. It's a quarterfinal match. Unfortunately, Amir lost, but you know he gave a really, really impressive showing. Ironically, you know he's he's lost two on the bounce now, but both his fights, he's actually looked really, really good in them. He's really mm. impressed. He was in control of Sexton, but Sexton's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, and in the third round, managed to get on his back and then eventually apply a rear naked choke to get the submission win. Like I said, it was quite an entertaining show. Particularly surprising because it wasn't a, a cut stacked with star power. There was no Angela Lee. There were no MMA world titles up for grabs, and there were no you know new big names. You know they signed mm. a few athletes from the UFC. You know, but like I said, very entertaining night. There mm. was a Thai fighter that came to the ring in a shark <laughs> costume that really uh, tickled some people. I think the crowd were, the crowd were really entertained that by that. R- reminded me of something that happened at the community issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was great because, you know, that was yeah. another fantastic thing that happened over the weekend. Mm. You know, the dom- domestic football season kicked off. You were there. Can you share what... Oh, uh, okay. I think it's old news by now that you know, Home United won the community issue mm. after a 5-4 penalty shootout win over LBRX. So what tickled me was when a player has scored the penalty, so the scoreboard will not only flash his number and name, but there'll be a short little video of him. Like, like the, the pre- Premier yeah, League like when what they watch announced the... Yeah. I think most players did the normal introduction. They just walk and you know, fold their arms. So, but I think when Home United defender Faisal Roslan scored, he walked towards the camera and he put on sunglasses and he was dancing like Pogba. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny, but quite daring of him to do. To, yeah, to do so, Faisal yeah. Roslan isn't yeah. one of those so-called senior places. I think he's 21. Yeah, very young player. Yeah, very young player. <laughs> I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, yeah so how, how was the standard of football, the quality of football uh, on display? Go Goalers draw, but Goalers. you know, same same like Man U, Liverpool, yeah. and Chelsea, Man City, also I guess. But mm. you know, how how was the uh, football? Okay, if I were to sum it up in one word, it would be gritty, very very physical game with neither side you know having a clear advantage. But what is for sure is Albirex look weaker, and it's very debatable how much is it, how much of their perceived weakness is down to the new rules. Because under the new rules, Albirex have to sign at least four local players and by the way Albrecht have signed six so yeah. out of the f- six two of them have to start the yeah. first 45 minutes and against Home United Albrecht started with two 18 year olds and they played right midfield and left midfield yeah. and they struggled I mean they worked hard but they clearly struggled to challenge the experienced professionals that Home United have you know even before the game start you're already at a slight disadvantage so I think it will be uh, something to keep track of in yeah. the forthcoming season I think Firas and Zamani were the, yes. were the players that started I know completely exactly what you mean because yeah. um, I was on the touchline when they played their last preseason game with this uh, I think the same yes. lineup. it was a, a 4-0 oh, uh, yeah. defeat to Tampines and 
when I was watching that game, I was struck by two things that like you mentioned. Yeah. Albrecht didn't have that cutting edge that we are so used to over mm. the last three, four years. But also, at the same time, Tempenis looked really, really, really yes. good. You know, it, honestly, Jordan Wet and Megumi really tore the two local players yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. And and having said that, you know, they did only play with one under 23 player. Mm. And in the SPL, they need to play three. Mm. So, there is some juggling to be done there. But still, I texted Desmond after this, the Tempenis chairman Desmond Ong. I did say, you know, for what it's worth, it <laughs> really was the best showing by a local side mm. I've seen in a long time even yeah. though it's a you know it's a friendly you, yeah. you can't really take away too much of it or read too much into it but it was really a joy to watch you know like you mentioned yeah. Megumi Webb you know Shadan Joel Chu the youngster in, mm. in, in midfield Amri leading the line Yase yeah. pulling the strings they were such a great uh, unit and it's not just uh, having to start with two local players but Albrecht star has changed also so last season they have a very experienced goalkeeper Nozawa, no, Nozawa yes. and he, he's very calm in the sense that he's a bit like Alisson you know or uh, De Gea, they will roll the ball out and they start building from the back. But um, against Home United, they just start pumping the ball from the back, playing very, very direct. Since obviously super uh. early days, the SPL season hasn't even officially kicked off. The mm. domestic football season has, but the league hasn't started yet. But based on what you saw mm. on Friday night, yeah. do you think there's a chance Albrex could end the season empty-handed? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I think last season, I think after five games, we were all wondering like what's going to be the winning margin of the championship. You know? But I think now we are all wondering who could be the new champion. And I really, really, really think that there's a strong possibility that we could see a new SPL champion. And on that note, there's the final whistle bringing to a close a game of two halves. Thanks, Ming. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, do subscribe to a game of two halves on Apple's podcast app, on Google's podcasts, or even on Spotify. Do like it or give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.